0: I want to speak to you today on the subject of science and faith and the title of this message is science is building my faith. It is building my faith. Maybe you fear that somehow science and scientific discovery undermines our faith in God and the opposite is true. As we understand more about this universe, it only enhances our appreciation for how great and magnificent our God is and it only increases my trust in the word of God as science continues to catch up to what God has already revealed in his word. So I'm going to be really uh, hoping that this encourages you and builds your faith, and I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I loved science growing up. I enjoyed science class. I mean, I thought it was, I didn't want to be a physicist or anything, but I enjoyed, I thought it was crazy that they let us dissect frogs and it was a biology class and you're like this is gross and amazing and just crazy that I get to do this Uh, I remember learning about the weather systems and like where do the clouds come from where do they go how do they form this is amazing and and I learned about the miracle of life in biology you guys remember watching that video the miracle of life wow uh, all the little sperm and all like the egg. And it's like, woo, and then like a baby comes out and you're like, oh my God, like, I have so many questions now. Um, so if you ever feel like a loser, you're not. Remember the miracle of life. Like you won that race. You're here because you're a winner. And uh, I, love, I love that as we discover more about our universe, as we understand more about how creation uh, works and how this world works and how life works, it only um, supports our understanding of God and what he reveals to us in the word of God. It builds our faith, it increases our appreciation for him, and it just helps us get to this place where we say, wow, God is great. He deserves my praise. So. Scientific discovery is one of the best things that can happen for us as Christians. In Psalm 19, verse one, it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So when you just look around at creation, you look up at the skies, it just shows, like, you just look and you see, man, this all declares that God is great and glorious. It says in Psalm 111, verse two, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. So studying creation is a good and fruitful thing. It's a benefit that we have the intelligence and God gave us the ability to study and learn and enhance our understanding. Our God is the architect and creator of this universe. And the Bible tells us that you were created in his likeness and in his image. That basically means although you're not God, by any stretch, you're a chip off the holy block. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and the reason that you love to create and build is because God is a creator. The reason you love to discover truth and understand knowledge is because God is all-knowing. The reason that we want the truth is because God is truth, okay? So we are made in his image, and we want to follow in his footsteps. Just naturally, he's our, our father. That's what we do. Now, television shows paint us as Christians in a negative light, not surprising, but TV and Hollywood portrays us as Christians as superstitious, ignorant, religious hillbillies. Now, at the awatuki campus, there's not a lot of hillbillies, but here in Mesa, we are not superstitious, okay? Or ignorant. We, we got some hillbilly, but like we're we're educated hillbilly. And Proverbs 18:15 shows us that intelligent people are always ready to learn, their ears are open for knowledge. And so learning, gaining knowledge, um that is good and it glorifies God and the word of God shows us that we should be open and hungry for knowledge. The truth is that throughout history, many of the most brilliant scientific minds who have lived have been Christians and believers in God. The fathers of modern science primarily were Christians. I'll just share some with you. Otto Brunsfels is the father of botany, Christian. Francis Bacon developed the scientific method, Christian. Galileo had a pretty good resume, Christian. Christian. Blaise Pascal, he developed Pascal's law for physics, Pascal's theorem for mathematics, and Pascal's wager for theology. Very smart guy, obviously, Very, uh, and also a Christian. Isaac Newton, discovered gravity, he was a Christian. Johannes Kepler discovered Kepler's law of planetary motion. Louis Pasteur, a microbiologist who discovered vaccination, Christian. Michael Faraday, he established the electromagnetic theory. Smart guy also a Christian. And today, many of the world's leaders in astrophysics, astronomy, neurosurgery, medicine, engineering, chemistry, computer sciences, they believe in God. So you can be an intelligent person and be a Christian and believe in God. Science, in case you're wondering, is the systematic study of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. The Benefit of science and the purpose of science is that as we observe phenomenon in this world around us, we can study them, we can create theories about what we observe and say, I think it works because of this, and then we can test that theory, and it helps us understand our universe better. Uh, it doesn't always work out well. Sometimes we think we learn things, and then we find out later, like, ah, oh, it wasn't really accurate, but science studies the physical and natural world. Now, you need to understand as a Christian that the Bible was not given to us by God to be a science textbook. The primary purpose of the Bible is not to help us understand our natural physical world, but rather for us to be able to understand our spiritual nature and God's nature as holy and righteous. The purpose of the Bible is for us to get the message that God sent his son Jesus into our physical world to fix our spiritual problem that we would have everlasting spiritual and physical life. This is the purpose of the Bible. So the the point of the Bible is not to explain every aspect of how, but to tell us all about who. Not what, but why. That's the main purpose. And you have to also realize that there are different types of writing in the Bible. Uh, Some writing is historical, narrative. Some is poetic and figurative. And understanding that allows you to understand what God is trying to communicate in the proper context. But what is so cool about the Bible is that when it does talk about the physical world, it is incredibly accurate scientifically, and it shows incredible foresight, speaking about matters that would not be clearly understood by mankind for thousands of years. So this is awesome, and it builds our faith. How is that possible? How can that be possible? Well, it's because we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. So that means that the Holy Spirit of God inspired men as they wrote the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit down to their very word choice. They wrote the Bible in Hebrew, a little bit in Aramaic and Greek, and the Holy Spirit inspired their word choice. That means sometimes they were writing things they probably didn't even fully understand under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But God, he communicated in his word in a way that people would be able to understand throughout history, not specific to one era. And now we can read and and we can gain understanding even as scientific discovery increases. It just increases our understanding. Without exception, every other ancient religious text is full of scientific errors when it comes to anatomy and medicine and hygiene and the Universe, for example, the Hindus believed in their scriptures it says that the Earth is flat and that it is supported on the backs of elephants who stand on a giant turtle swimming in an endless ocean That is an amazing circus trick. If you could pull that off, be really impressive, but it 's false. A lot of the ancient Greeks they believed that the world rested on the God Atlas and he held the globe up on his shoulders. Very strong guy, want to get on that workout plan, but that's not how it works. False. Islam teaches in the Quran that the sun sets into a muddy pond, and that's where it goes at the end of the day, and also that the earth is flat. Whew, swing and a miss. Oh, this is one is interesting for Arizona. Mormonism uh, teaches uh, that... People with dark skin got that way because God cursed them and that if they'll repent of their sins, their skin will turn white. And then they edited that out in 1978 because it's racist. <laughs> and it was very convenient for them to say, let's just like, no, no no no,. That way, because, you know, the, the missionary is knocking on your door. That's an awkward conversation. And so maybe right now you're like, Ryan, you don't need to be making fun of other people's religions. And I would say, Elijah did it. So it's very biblical, and I'm not making fun of the people who are trapped in the lies of these false religions. I'm making fun of their false gods, as Elijah did when he made fun of the prophets of Baal. I can't help but that our God is great and the one true God, and that... So we pray for people that are trapped in false religions, that they would come to see the truth that they would discover the one true God of the universe and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we know that it's gotta be really hard for them to be in a religious system where you have to turn off your brain and turn off your intellect in order to conform with the incorrect teachings which came from men rather than what we know as truth revealed by God. Uh, So we pray for those people. Scientific principles describe accurately in the Bible, thousands of years before mankind understood them, shows us that the Bible is the Word of God. So whenever anyone who's a skeptic claims that the Bible's full of contradictions or that it's scientifically inaccurate, they can only do that by taking things the Bible says out of context and making it sound silly, when if you read it in context, it's very clear what was being communicated. Like, I'll just give you one example. Uh, In Job, Job is speaking and he says, ask the birds, ask the fish, ask the earth. And and like, does the Bible say we can talk to fish? No, it's a figure of speech, right? So like, it's figurative language. So there's things like that. We have to read it in context. And obviously, if someone wanted to try to make the Bible sound silly by taking something out of context, they could try and do that. But the Bible is scientifically accurate, which is amazing. Here, I'll give you some examples. The Bible accurately describes cosmology and astronomy. So these are principles that today science has found to be true, and the Bible spoke correctly about these principles thousands of years ago. For example, that time had a beginning in 2 Timothy 1 9, that the universe had a beginning in Genesis 1, that the universe was created from the invisible in Hebrews 11 that the universe is expanding from a central location outward. It says in Isaiah 42, just one example, thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out. So as the Big Bang theory has developed, it's really striking how it now lines up almost exactly with how the Bible describes creation. The universe is winding down and will wear out. This is the second law of thermodynamics, and it is described accurately in the Bible in Psalm 102. It says, long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and you made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. It's amazing how this is scientifically accurate speech here. The Bible correctly describes the order of creation as scientists today understand it in Genesis 1. The Bible says that the number of stars cannot be counted. In Jeremiah 33, verse 22, it says, And as the stars of the sky cannot be counted. This is very interesting because up until Galileo, people thought that there were probably about a thousand stars in the sky. They were limited to what they could see with their naked eye. They're, so they, they actually kind of counted, and they thought, there's probably about 1,000 stars. Turns out, we can only see about 100 billion stars today, and we know there are many, many more. And the Bible, again, nailed it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that every star is different. We only know that today because we can measure the radiation signature through spectrometers and see that different stars have different signatures. None of them are exactly alike. In Job 38, it describes that light is in motion, that constellations are bound together by gravity, that the earth is controlled by the heavens, not the other way around. The Bible describes the earth as being a sphere. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 22, God sits above the circle of the Earth This is written thousands of years before mankind realized that the Earth is not, in fact, flat. The Bible says that the Earth is suspended in space. So it's really cool, the idea that maybe it's resting on the back of elephants on a giant turtle swimming in the ocean. But the Bible says in Job 26 verse 7, "He hangs the Earth on nothing." Turned out to be true. true. The Bible describes the physical laws of nature as constant. It says in Jeremiah 31... It is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day and the moon and stars to light the night and who stirs the sea into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and this is what he says. I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says. Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done. Talking about Israel. So this is really cool. God shows, that he, he shows us in his word the laws of nature are constant. We know today that that is true. The laws of nature are constant. When the Bible was written, they didn't even know what the laws of nature were. I also thought that passage is interesting because it says, the heavens can't be measured, and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored. Well, here we are today with our modern technology, and we cannot measure the heavens, but we can explore them. But we cannot explore the foundations of the earth. The core of the earth is 6,000 kilometers below the surface, But our deepest hole is only 12 kilometers deep. We can't get down there. We have no idea what is there. And the Bible accurately described this situation. So the Bible accurately describes astronomy and also earth sciences. So the Bible describes how the earth began as a water world covered by water in Genesis 1. Kevin Costner wasn't there, but it was a water world. The Bible describes the water cycle in Ecclesiastes 1.7, evaporation and rivers flowing out to the ocean. That air has weight is described. Job twenty-eight twenty-five says, when he gave to the wind its weight. I would have never thought the wind had weight, but it does. The Bible describes that valleys exist on the bottom of the sea in 2 Samuel 22, that there are vents on the bottom of the sea is described in Job 38. How would they know that when they wrote the Bible? They were not doing a lot of deep sea diving 2,000 years ago. But God inspired them in a way that was scientifically accurate. The Bible describes ocean currents in Psalm 8.8, which were not discovered for many, many years later. That the winds blow in a circular path is described in Ecclesiastes 1.6. It says the winds blow south and then turn north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Okay? We didn't even know that trade winds were a thing until Christopher Columbus, 2,400 years after that was written. Uh, Then we started learning about air cells and the flow of, of air currents. But the Bible described that accurately. The Bible accurately describes biology. It says, the life is in our blood. In Leviticus 17, for the life of the body is in the blood is what it says. Think about that. Just a couple hundred years ago, doctors were bleeding people on purpose to help cure them of disease, and then they were like, oh, that doesn't work. It's like the opposite of helpful. They should have read the Bible, which says the life is in the blood. The Bible describes the nature and danger of infectious diseases. In Leviticus 13, it says, as long as the serious disease lasts... They will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So, God was giving them instructions to be spiritually clean as they worship God and also protecting them from infectious disease by keeping them separated many years before people understood infectious disease. The Bible describes the importance of sanitation to our health. It says in Deuteronomy 23. You must have a designated area. This is my favorite verse. You must have a designated area outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. Each of you must have a spade as part of your equipment. Whenever you relieve yourself, dig a hole with a spade and cover the excrement. This was written before poopery was invented. So dig a hole, you know, cover it up, be polite And also, even though bacteria hadn't been discovered, God was protecting his people from bacterial disease. Isn't this incredible? Um, The Bible accurately describes our genetic code and our shared genetic heritage. Here's what it says in Genesis 3.20. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. Now, for millennia, people thought that we all had different ancestors and these different races came from different people. And then today, as scientists can measure and examine and learn about the genetic code and DNA, they say conclusively there is no disagreement that all living men and women on the earth descended from one set of ancestors. The Bible had it right from the beginning. It's because it's the word of God. Here's what Robert Jastrow writes he's an astronomer of planetary physics and a self-proclaimed agnostic okay so that means he doesn't necessarily believe in god and i'm going to read you more quotes than usual today it says for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason the story ends like a bad dream he has scaled the mountains of ignorance he is about to conquer the highest peak as he pulls himself over the final rock he is greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries there we are as Christians, right? And science is like, guess what? The world is round. And we're like, hey, nice for you guys to show up. Good for you to be here, right? But the Bible is written by God. It's inspired by God through men. And so it is scientifically accurate. Now, I'm going to answer some questions people, that people ask a lot and I'll give you some, maybe some wisdom to think about. As we discuss this topic, first people ask, what about miracles? How can I be a Christian who's rational and intelligent and believe in miracles? There are so many miracles in the Bible. Like you, you see the 10 plagues that God sent on the Egyptians and God split the Red Sea apart. Uh, we see that God made an ax head float to the top of a lake and Elijah called down fire on the prophets of Baal when he was making fun of them. Uh, and we learn about all kinds of things. that, Like, like for example, Jesus turned water into wine. It would be so convenient at your wedding. You'd save so much money. He also walked on the water. And so as intelligent beings who live in a world and age of understanding, how can you believe in miracles and be an intelligent person? Well, here's a simple answer. It's actually very simple. It's very straight to the point. If God, the creator of the universe, who is all-powerful, is able to establish the laws of nature, it is completely reasonable that he's able to temporarily supersede the laws of nature according to his will right? Yep. That makes sense. It's not that complicated. Um, people ask, how old is the earth? This is something that has caused a lot of people confusion and heartache, and so I want to talk about this. How old is the earth? Because science today says the earth is very old, but then many Christians were taught growing up in church that the earth is very young, maybe only six to 10,000 years old, and that to believe the earth is old somehow contradicts the validity of scripture. So I'm gonna talk about that. There are two valid theories about the age of the earth, okay? Two that are valid and have credible evidence behind them. And you could believe either one of these theories and still be a Christian who trusts the Bible. I'm gonna explain them a little bit. One theory is the young earth theory, which says that each day described in the creation account of Genesis 1 was a literal 24-hour day, okay? So, if that's true, the people who have a young earth perspective of creation generally believe that the universe is six to 10,000 years old, but that God created it to look old. And this is good in a sense because it's a direct interpretation of Genesis. And so that's one good aspect about it. The weakness of it is that it ignores a lot of biblical creation passages in other parts of the Bible outside of Genesis and ignores the volume of scientific literature that exists today. This position became very dogmatic and traditional in the church, and it became something that people were very passionate about being taught that if you don't believe this, you're compromising our ability to trust the word of God and you're beginning a slippery slope that will lead to us taking other things in the Bible, not literally, when in reality, that's not necessarily a danger. The importance is to understand that there are three literal meanings to the word day that is used in Genesis 1. The Hebrew word for day is the Hebrew word yom, and it has three meanings, which are 12 hours of sunlight, a 24-hour period, or a long but indefinite period of time. So it can mean day, it can mean age, and if there is a debate, it's not about whether or not God's word is true, but our interpretation and understanding of what God's word says, okay? So you can believe the earth is young and that honors the word of God. Here's another theory. It's called the day-age theory, the day-age theory, which says that each day represents an age or period of time, which is another literal reading of the Hebrew word yom, which could be a long, indefinite period of time, and that the earth can actually be Uh, very old and that does not compromise our ability to trust the word of God as being inerrant. The good thing about this theory is that it still allows you to literally read Genesis and it incorporates a lot of other passages in the Bible in addition to all the scientific data that exists which lines up with and corroborates that theory very precisely so I'll just give you one little example of this word day in Hebrew being used in a different way. In Genesis 2-4, the very next chapter, it says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And, it's talk- and then it talks about all creation. But it describes it as happening in a day even though by any standard, it would have been at least several days. That's just one example where the word day can mean more than one literal 24-hour day. Okay, so we're on the same page. And I'm just a guy, uh, I wasn't there. So uh, I know that God created the heavens and the earth. And as I've read about these issues, as I've studied, I've read a lot um, from both sides of this argument, I feel personally like there's more biblical support okay not scientific but biblical support for an old earth theory and i'm not going to get into all that right now because there's no time and it's not the main point you can believe that the earth is young you can believe the earth is old neither one compromises the strength of your faith or causes you to lose trust in the word of god because the, the message of the bible is not how it's who it's not what it's why So it's important that we understand that. Here's some advice I have for Christians. We need to trust the word of God and use wisdom in processing new discoveries, okay? Scientists are constantly discovering that what they thought was true maybe isn't so true, right? How many of you in just the last few years were like, hey, honey, we can't drink coffee anymore. It's bad for you. And then you're like, hey, honey, we got to start drinking more coffee. It's good for you. They say, right? Like, who says? Science. Like, they're always kind of going back and forth and changing their mind, discovering new things, learning. Well, we thought that was true. Well, it's not actually totally true. And so we live in a day and age with this wonderful thing called the internet, where anybody with an internet connection can blast their ideas around the world at a moment's notice. And there's good about that, but there's also bad, right? So we got to be careful about new discoveries as they come out. Uh, We don't want to overreact to things that are out there on the Internet, just scientific discovery, whether we like it or don't like it, right? Because they're often figuring it out. They're often still discovering and in the process. Recently, it's become very trendy for old things to be new again. People are embracing old things as if they're new and wondrous. So, for example, today, a lot of people spend a lot of money on essential oils, even though there's very little credible evidence scientifically that it does anything to benefit us. Here's another thing. A lot of people go to naturopathic doctors for treatment for diseases that naturopathic doctors cannot treat, and they pay a lot of money for what is essentially multivitamins. There's a place for naturopathic doctors. They're not bad people. Uh, For a long time, all we had was natural medicine, but I, for one, like living in the 21st century, okay? So, like... uh, there's another thing a lot of times we're afraid of things that were meant to help us like vaccination and we're afraid that it hurts us all right if you're mad at me i'm just a pastor and you all voted for this subject of science and faith so if uh you're mad just email me ryan at idontcare.com and i'll get right back to you okay And you can agree with me or disagree, and we can still be friends, all right? It's not really a big deal. But I would say use caution and don't overreact. And we need to get our knowledge from credible sources. Credible is the key word. Here's what Proverbs 15, verse 13 says. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on fake news. (laughs) So let's be careful and get our lifestyle advice from credible sources, not the Kardashians, all right? Let's not overreact to everybody who's got a voice, okay? Let's get our information from credible sources, not psychos with documentaries about why we should be afraid of everything and fear the government and talk about conspiracies, talk about how everything's going to kill us, right? Let's just settle down a little bit. Right. God gave us science as a gift and the ability to discover and understand as a gift. And we need to understand, too, that fear sells. Okay, so a lot of what is published on the Internet, what you see as headlines on the news is people trying to get attention. It is people trying to get money by selling advertising, hoping you'll click on their link meant to instill fear in your heart. So, again, just like take a breath. Let's just take a breath as people who live in this amazing day and age. Now, at one point in America, as scientific discovery was unfolding, many people theorized that eventually we're not gonna need God anymore because science is gonna help us understand the universe. And sometimes people think mistakenly that science is an enemy of God, and that is not true. Recently, it feels like sometimes the scientific community is hostile towards God, but that's because in recent days, many people who don't want to believe in God are fleeing to the scientific field, hoping to find answers to fill the gaps in their life, gaps that only God can fill. And they're finding that I cannot find answers to explain this universe, I cannot find answers to explain the questions in my heart apart from God. That's what many people find. So I want to give you a couple examples. Antony Flew, who lived from 1923 to 2010, was the most famous atheist in the world. Before Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens came on the scene criticizing religion or criticizing Christians, Antony Flew was like the man for atheism, okay? And then eventually, through discovery and scientific development, he came to renounce his atheism and believe in God. And he gave an interview, and here's what he says about his conversion to believing in God from believing in no God. He says, there were two factors in particular that were decisive. One was my growing empathy with the insight of Einstein and other noted scientists, that there had to be an intelligence behind the integrated complexity of the physical universe. The second was my own insight, the integrated complexity of life itself which is far more complex in the physical universe can only be explained in terms of an intelligent source. I believe that the origin of life and reproduction simply cannot be explained from a biological standpoint, despite numerous efforts to do so. With every passing year, the more that was discovered about the richness and inherent intelligence of life, the less it seemed likely that a chemical soup could magically generate the genetic code. The difference between life and non-life, it became apparent to me, was ontological and not chemical. Ontology deals with metaphysics and philosophy about the universe, right? So he's saying the best confirmation of this radical goal is Richard Dawkins, an atheist, his comical effort to argue in the God delusion that the origin of life can be attributed to a lucky chance. If that's the best argument you have, then the game is over. He says, no, I did not hear a voice— It was the evidence itself that led me to this conclusion. It's crazy. I love it. So world-class scientists, the most brilliant minds alive on the earth today cannot avoid this conclusion, and I want you to take this away from this message. You are not here by accident. It's not an accident that you're here. God had a purpose for your life. We're here as a result of his creation, his will, and this is something I like. I like this quote from John O'Keefe. He's an astronomer at NASA. He said, We are, by astronomical standards, a pampered, cosseted, cherished group of creatures. If the universe had not been made with the most exacting precision, we could never have come into existence. It is my view that these circumstances indicate the universe was created for man to live in. Right, And this principle of fine-tuning Is what the scientific community calls it, says that we can't quite figure out how it is that all of the universe was so finely tuned to allow life to exist. Because if it was just this explosion and random, the mathematical odds of us being here are so infinitely great and overwhelming that we just cannot logically say it's a chance. It's just by chance. Because I can't get into all this, it's just too much information right now. But if just one little thing had been different as the universe was created science now tells us that it would not have been possible for life to be here it would not have been possible for living conditions on the earth to be the way they are we would not exist and it's just impossible to explain right and so they have come to see by discovering more about our universe that this is not by accident overwhelmingly Here's another guy, Frank Tipler, a professor of mathematical physics. He writes, When I began my career as a cosmologist some 20 years ago, I was a convinced atheist. I never in my wildest dreams imagined that one day I would be writing a book purporting to show that the central claims of Judeo-Christian theology are in fact true, that these claims are straightforward deductions of the laws of physics as we now understand them. I have been forced into these conclusions by the inexorable logic of my own special branch of physics. And then since he wrote this, this guy, Frank Tipler, he actually became a born-again Christian and wrote a book called The Physics of Christianity. And I'm going to give you one more quote, all right, because I think this is awesome. Uh, This guy named Jim Holt, who's an American philosopher, wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal And he wrote this. When I saw a survey in the journal Nature, a scientific journal, it revealed that 40% of American physicists, biologists, and mathematicians believe in God. And not just some metaphysical abstraction, but a deity who takes an active interest in our affairs and hears our prayers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 40% of physicists, astronomy, it's just like... You think about that. It's because you look at creation and how magnificent and how wonderful it is. And I think so many people have started down a path of wanting to understand the world, and, and they look to science to explain creation, and it ends up leading them, unknown to them, unpredicted by them, towards the conclusion that there's got to be a creator. I could fill this room with scientists who have become Christians because they could not deny any longer that there is a God, there is a creator, that our world is too complex, that life is too magical and complex, that it just couldn't be a chance. And I think that should build our faith. They cannot help it, these scientists. They cannot help it. And Romans 1 verse 20 describes this. It says, forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. See, what that means is that as we look around at nature, we look at the sky, we look at the earth, we look at life, God's divine nature and power is revealed through everything that's around us. So the Bible is saying they cannot help but see there's a God and that he's all-powerful and that he must love us. See, the Bible's telling us right there, even if someone never came along and explained to you that there was a God and his name, his his son Jesus to save you from your sin, like you'd still be without excuse for your sins because you should be able to just look at nature and know in your heart, there's gotta be a God. I need to be right with him. And that is the result for so many people as they look at this world and they see, man, it's undeniable. It is undeniable that God, so I wanna encourage you, this morning that as a believer in jesus christ you can also be an intellectual you can also be educated and knowledgeable about this world there is no discovery that's going to come out of science that is ever going to undermine our faith in jesus because it's so it's the truth right it's a truth will only reveal more of what we know to be true already we got to remember that although we can gain knowledge and understanding through science we can only gain wisdom from the word of god This is what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. So don't ever forget that true wisdom comes from the word of God. And even if you're not educated or highly educated, you can be very wise by simply reading the word of God. You can just read a little bit at a time, you can read on a regular basis, you can read it when it works for your schedule, but just read some of it. I encourage you to read it every day. It's described like food in the Bible. The Bible is described like food in the Bible. Like, just eat eat a little every day. The way that you wouldn't go five days without eating, I hope, uh, just eat a little bit of the Bible every day. Get a little bit of that nourishment into your system, and as you do, you're going to grow in wisdom. So I hope this is your takeaway from this message today, that God loves you greatly He loves you. He fine-tuned the creation of the universe to the exact specific way it needed to be, allowing life to exist... He developed the genetic code in a way that at a certain point in history, time would weave together and allow you to come and to create, to be born and to survive and grow to the point that you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and come to know the God who created you. That is amazing. It's a miracle, and it should show you that God loves you. So I hope it builds your faith and your appreciation for God's love. Thank you, Lord. Let's uh, bow our heads and we're just gonna take a moment to pray. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, I want to place my faith in Jesus, I I want to become a part of God's family and I want to enter into his kingdom and receive everlasting life. You can do that and you could just do it by simply expressing in your heart that you trust God and that you want to have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are saved by God's grace through faith. It's a gift that we receive through faith in Jesus. So I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you wanna take this step of faith today, pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I know that I need you. I have sinned and I admit that. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, that he was punished in my place. And I also believe that he rose again on the third day, showing that through him, we have victory over sin and death. So God, thank you for being my creator and also for being my friend. I want to follow you from this day forward. I want to become more like Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. God is good. And I want to just take a quick second. If you just raise your if you just prayed that prayer to accept Jesus, we love to celebrate that. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a second just to say, I prayed that prayer because uh, we just want to celebrate. It's amazing. We're not going to embarrass you. But if you just said, hey, I, I want to accept Jesus into my life. I want to have a relationship with him. Um, or maybe you've been away from God for a super long time and just now you said, I want to come back to him. I wanted to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, just get ready to shoot your hand up. Two, three, just shoot it up and say, I prayed that prayer. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So good. So good. Well, we're going to give God praise, right? Because he is great, and creation shows us he's great, and he deserves to be praised. So we got to lift our voices, and we got to declare our love for him who first loved us, right? So let's just get ready to sing. Let's just get ready to give God the praise that he deserves. He's great.